Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey Pam. Hey Ryan, how are you today? You know, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. You know, Ryan, one of my favorite things about my job is getting to know patients and their stories. And I think you have brought us a special guest and has a really cool story to share. Yeah. So I'm really excited. How about you? Uh, you know, I've been looking forward to uh, this podcast episode for quite some time. You know, when we when we sat down and we started about talking about who we want and what, what kind of topics we want to do and, and where we want to go and take this podcast. Um, our guest today is, is one that I knew that uh, we had to have on. And you're talking about stories. I tell you, um, our listeners are in for a treat today. And this is one of those stories that um, uh, comes out of 24 hours in the canyon. And, and, and this is coming up on our 15th year. And, you know, I know you do, Pam. We, we learn a lot of stories from people, don't we? very unique stories and we're yep. so blessed to hear them every single day that we get to meet our patients so i'm i'm looking forward to this one that's right that's right uh you know so our guest today and myself we kind of met by happenstance um if i remember correctly and maybe he can correct me in a little bit but uh if i remember correctly it um it all stemmed around a a, a pink t-shirt that we were sending out uh to some of our folks and uh that were um answering a, qu a trivia question or something like that. And uh, David Robison from the DFW Metroplex uh, reached out to me and uh, told me about his wife, Rhonda. And uh, of course I had the pleasure then of, of getting to meet uh, David and Rhonda and uh, touring them through 24 hours in the Canyon there, uh, the, the course at Paladuro Canyon State Park um, shortly after Rhonda had finished her cancer treatment and um, really got to know this neat couple. And of course, over the years, lots of run-ins, lots of contact. And so uh, we have a wealth of information um, to bring out of, the, out of David today. Uh, so David, thank you so much for joining us on uh, today's podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, you know, uh, it, it has been a, an interesting journey. I know um, for myself on the outside, looking in through your journey, um, and for our listeners at home, uh, today, most of this podcast is going to be focused on um, what I would consider your story, but it's really your story by way of three important ladies in your life. Yeah, that's right. Uh, my wife, my daughter, and my, my mother-in-law, and all three of them have either had it or currently dealing with breast cancer. It started, my wife and I have been married for 35 years now, but uh, through the years, my wife has had uh, occasional tumors come up, you know, lumps in her breast that she's had to have checked out. And so five different times, thankfully, they all came back uh, as, as benign tumors. And then, um, so she, she was tested along the way and found out she was BRAC positive. And so... Our understanding is that it's not a matter of if we're gonna, if she's gonna get breast cancer, but when is she gonna get it? So right. she decided she'd take matters in her own hands, and I totally supported her to go ahead and have a, a preventative 
prophylactic surgery and just get rid of all the breast tissue and not have to worry about it anymore. Right. So uh, she had it scheduled and it got postponed for a little bit. And then um, she finally had the surgery. And um, while she was recovering, that uh, the tissue that was removed was tested and they actually found breast cancer in the tissue. So she had it without knowing it. Without knowing. That's like probably the earliest you could possibly catch it is is like that. So uh, because it was caught so early, um, she thankfully only had to have four four chemo treatments and uh, which was bad enough. You know, she still lost all her hair and still got sick and run down and right you know the kind of thing that that breaks your heart to see somebody going through it true and uh, that was five years ago uh that she was finished with it and um might might be a little bit more than five years but you know our our oldest daughter who's uh 32 now she's 33 she's 33 now she decided that you know, she got tested. She's also BRAC positive, so she decided that she's going to do the same thing, do a preventative surgery. So she was getting everything lined up, and then um, was going to have surgery in 2019. And shortly after the first of that year, she felt a lump in her breast, and went and had it checked. And they said, "Yeah, it looks like cancer." and by the time it was officially diagnosed, it had already grown considerably. And then within five weeks of first noticing it, I think she had her surgery and and it had, it had tripled in size. Wow. So it was it was fast growing, fast growing and and triple negative. And so she had to have uh she had her mastectomy and then she had to have uh 12 rounds of chemo and 30 rounds of radiation. Yeah. So that was, uh, it, it's still, and she's still dealing with it. You know, she's still having to have tests and, and all that. And, right. and so we're still keeping a close eye on her. Right. And then almost a year to the day that um, Jessica, that's our daughter's name. Uh, almost a year to the day, my mother-in-law found out she had cancer. Right. Breast cancer. Again. Now she had had it 20 years ago and she's, She's too ornery to, to <laughs> be affected much by it, but she had it again. She had to have surgery. She had to have chemo, and uh, and she's she's doing great. And good. everybody's doing great right now. Good, good. Let's let's go back to 2015 with with your wife with Rhonda, and we meet, and I think you reach out to me and tell me a little bit about her story and that she was um, going through her treatment and um, you, you really embraced, I guess, around that time, the color pink. Yes. <laughs> and that, my, might, that might be, yeah. Do what? Uh, that might be an understatement. <laughs> yeah, and I was about to say by embrace, I would say you uh, went overboard maybe with pink. It depends on your perspective. That's true. That's uh, true. You know, uh, and so so walk us through a little bit of you know what you did um, while while Rhonda was was getting her treatment, um, and 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 for our listeners, this is you know 
everybody has caregivers. Um, and, and I would certainly uh, encourage caregivers to, you know, to, to be as highly involved as possible with their loved ones, with their spouse um, and friends with their treatment. Um, David took that to the extreme. So talk to us about that, David. Well, uh, for me, I knew there was nothing I could do to help with the cancer. So I had to make sure she knew I was there for her. I needed to make sure she knew that I was there. And uh, about the time, just before she, uh, it was after she had her surgery, but just before she started her treatments, um, somehow got this link to this Canadian photographer that, that was taking pictures of himself in a pink tutu. And, but he was shirtless. He looked like that's all he had on was the tutu. But his <laughs> hashtag was dare to tutu. And uh, so I looked on their website and they actually was selling tutus. So I said, well, that's something I can do. I can wear a tutu and go to her treatments with her and, uh, and just lighten, lighten her day and make her smile and let her know I'm not ashamed to be embarrassed. And, uh, so I wore, I wore that tutu to each of her treatments with her. And each time, each successive treatment, I added something pink to my ensemble. If you will. <laughs> pink hat, pink shirt, pink hat, pink shoes. Pink shorts. Uh, wound up pink shorts. I had pink boxing gloves because uh, I was going to help her fight. Right. And uh, it was my job to make sure she knew that I was in it with her. And so we, we, uh, somebody had invited her to, to join the team to the, uh, 24 hours in the Canyon to ride with them. She thought that it sounded like fun. <laughs> she didn't know what she was getting into. Well, and, and, uh, and I, I remember our first meeting down at the Canyon and, um, I think we, we, we tooled around a little bit, rode a little bit with my son and then, um, we sat down and visited and Pam, I tell you, um, when, when, when talking with both Rhonda and David, and, and of course, I think our listeners can feel the, the passion uh, that they have, but I could see the determination in Rhonda's eyes that like, you know what, when I'm done with my treatment, I don't care how long that lap is at 24 hours in the Canyon, I'm doing it. Wow. And uh, yeah, you know, and, and she had never, uh, never seen the loop, never had seen what, what was in store for her. I think uh, unbeknownst to her, you know, what was out there, it didn't matter. She was determined. I've been through this. Uh, this is what David loves to do and riding his bike and uh, I'm doing this. And um, I just remember that day riding with them, um, thinking to myself, I just pray to goodness and pray to the Lord above that, that she does not fall and that she does not get hurt. And uh, I know that um, uh, David was concerned as well. And we, it, was the, it, was a, it was a long first lap, wasn't it, David? It was. Uh, and I didn't let her do it by herself. I rode with her. Yep, David was uh, with her. Now, David, yeah, we were, did you have your tutu on? We, we had special tutus made by a, a good friend of ours, daughter, and they were huge. So we both wore a tutu for the, the whole lap and they were so big that it, they would catch on 
the, the cactuses and other scrub oh, no. on the side of the trail. So when we got finished, there wasn't it, there was still a lot of tutu, but there was a lot of that was missing. <laughs> you know, Ron, one thing that is really unique to this story is I know whenever I meet with our survivors, um, they don't want their caregiver to fix something. They want that support. And Rhonda, you have an awesome support team right there. Absolutely. Well, and and I know guys like to fix stuff. You know, this is above my pay grade. I can't fix this. Right. But you did in your own way, and that's just so awesome. Yeah, yeah. In addition to their pink tutus, Pam, David had a special bike made for Rhonda, and of course, it was pink. Uh, and it was sparkly pink and it was it was it, if i remember it was the it was the talk of the start not to mention their 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 tutus were the talk of, of the starting line as well <laughs> yeah well, i had a uh, i had a uh when she said she wanted to do it i was excited and uh, she didn't have a bike of her own at this point and so uh i i found one for sale and immediately took it apart and had it powder coated pink let her choose the color so it had sparkles in it of course <laughs> and, uh, so I, I got it put together and and uh, there was still a, a month and a half before the, the 24 hours in the canyon race and and I got to thinking you know I could turn my bike pink too and so I I did the same thing I Tore it apart, went and had it powder coated. This time, a, a, a different color, different shade of pink. Masculine pink. Mas yeah, masculine pink. <laughs> Manly pink. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we'll call it that. And uh, and then so I had uh, I also got accessories and stuff. So we both had pink bikes. Uh, our the bike team I'm on, Big Pig uh, Racing. They had arranged behind behind the scenes. I'll say behind our backs, but without us knowing about it, they arranged for a, a custom kit for Rhonda to wear that said "Cancer Survivor." Yeah. And uh, so she had her her pink, all pink kit, pink and white kit on, and this huge tutu, and on a pink bike, and I'm on a pink bike, and I've got a huge pink tutu on. We couldn't be missed. So if we were the talk of the start, is because you just couldn't. You couldn't not see us. <laughs> and now tell me again, she finished treatment when? Uh, she finished just before Christmas of uh, 2014, I think, 15. 2015. So that was like about six months, just barely, maybe even five months before yeah. the race. And so and she, she had her to ride that first lap. That's awesome. You know, you think about that, Pam, five months post treatment never really didn't even have her own bike hadn't ridden much at all and uh was bound and determined um because as we say you know it, it sounds cliche a lot of times but really 24 hours is not about the, the bike ride it's not about that it's as as we're learning and and people are listening today hearing this it's about so much more it's so much deeper um and i i uh made it over to I know I saw him at the start gave hugs high fives um and then made it over to the finish to try to find them after the their lap 
and I got scared as could be because I couldn't find them anywhere. And I, I think I, I finally found David and said that Rhonda had gone and laid down in, in, uh, in the cabin and uh, told me, I think, um, and of course we spoke later on, but I think, do you remember David or uh, what the final lap time was? It was four hours and 24 minutes and some odd seconds. Four hours and 24 minutes. Now, Pam, I know that you've, you've not been on this course or ridden, you don't ride bikes. You have a cruiser bike though. You do have a cruiser bike. I do have um, a pink cruiser bike. I guess yeah. I could join their team. Yes, yes. <laughs> David, would you say it's fair to say for the most part, 38 to 45 minutes tops on that lap? Yeah, if you're if you're doing a 24-hour pace, you might want to go a little bit slower. So I, I generally average anywhere from 45 to 55 minutes per lap. And I believe that year, uh, one of my teammates, Tim Nipper, had got the fastest lap at somewhere around 32 to 35 minutes. Right. So the fastest right. lap that year was in the low 30s, and we came in at four hours and 24 minutes. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> we were, you. Yeah, Rhonda has a record. Rhonda and David <laughs> have a record at 24 hours. Um, but, but in all seriousness, uh, I don't know that it would have mattered if it took, you know, six hours. Uh, I could, I, I know there was determination. I could see it in Rhonda's face when I met him, you know, in April, March, April timeframe um, prior to that race. Um, could, could definitely see that. And so, you know, that's a, that's a testament, Pam, to the strength of, of cancer survivors, right? I mean, it's not just going through the treatment. It's, it's moving on. It's moving forward. My question to Rhonda is, was that lap harder than what you went through with chemo? Uh, I can remember people passing us, stopping to ask for help, and I would look at them and I'd go, you know, I'd rather do chemo than to ride this race because <laughs> it was tough. But it, in comparison, I think the, the race for me was tougher than even the chemo I was going through. But people would just kind of look at me like, you'd rather go through chemo than to do it. But I'm glad I did the race. I'm glad I participated. And I think the biggest thrill was when we crossed the finish line and the people that were there cheering me on you know people along the race would stop and go here's this nutrition bar here's this you know more water here's this you know and like ryan said this race is more than just a race it's a a group of people that have the same ambition you know to support people going through and they saw me as a survivor and really stepped up, you know, and supported me. And that really touched up me very much. Yeah. Now, now, David, you know, you, you, you talked about your daughter, Jessica, and you talked about your mother-in-law. Um, you've, you continued on and, and I'm, you know, obviously I'm, I'm sure we'll continue in your pink journey, right? That's correct. And so when Jessica started her treatment, the, the tutu was already well known. And so um, I work nights, so I'm available during the day to go to the, go to the doctor's appointments. And um, so she knew without me saying anything that I was gonna be there with my tutu on. 
And so I started off slow and with just the tutu and the pink hat and, um, and she had 12 treatments and I was able to go to all of them. And so each time I'd add something new or wear something different, because there's only so many articles of clothing you can wear Right. by the time, by the time the last, yeah, I would, I would, one of the last times I walked into the uh, treatment room, she was already in there with her husband and, um, I walk around the corner and I'm completely decked out in pink head to toe with a, uh, uh, my tutu on and Jessica just, she's just shake her, her husband's just shaking her head and she's got the, my daughter's got the biggest smile on her face. And, um, so I, I, you know, she too, it meant a lot to her and I don't mind being a little bit embarrassed or, wasn't ever too embarrassed, but no. a little self-conscious walking through the parking lot with a tutu on and people staring at me. I was just about to ask, how many looks did you get in the parking lot? That's probably the worst part was getting from from the car to the the treatment center, right? I would think that would be the worst. Well, yeah, and and getting out of the car, I, I wouldn't have my tutu on yet, so I'd have to slip it on there in the parking lot and <laughs> looking over my shoulder, see who's looking. <laughs> Uh, it's just a little self-conscious, but on the way to the elevator and then up to the, the treatment room, it would, you know, people would say, I like your tutu and, and I'd say I'm wearing it for my daughter or wearing it for my wife, whichever the case may be. And, and so, yeah, I got some weird looks, but I also got a lot of, you know, praise, I guess, out of it. It's an inspiration. And I think uh, it's something that I think we can all strive to, to, to learn from. I, I do have, I do have a question for you too, because I know, and this may be a, a, diff, a harder question. Um, I know that uh, some of our caregivers talk a lot about fatigue, caregiver fatigue. And, you know, I mean, if there's, if there's somebody that, that I think would be, and this may sound weird to say, but deserving of some fatigue, um, it would be you uh, at, coming from the three different angles with um, your family. But did you ever experience any of the, of the, kind of the typical caregiver fatigue? Only the sense of, you know, what more can I do? Um, and being helpless, you know, not sure about how to, how to uh, communicate the fatigue part, but, you know, certainly felt helpless on, you know, I'm just sitting on the sidelines. There's nothing I can do other than look silly. And um, definitely willing to continue to do that and um and was was going to continue it with my mother-in-law um and went to one of her first doctor's appointments went to two doctor's appointments with her um and wore the two two with her as well and uh and then shortly after that is when that that covid thing all started so they they didn't allow visitors so i wasn't able to finish Right. But she, she, but she stayed with us. So she knew I was, I, I supported her in other ways, you know, made sure she was comfortable. And so she's, she's doing great. And, but now as far as, as far as fatigue, you know, I can certainly see how, you know, people would get, feel exacerbated and or just overwhelmed as right. not, not being able to do anything other than just be there. Right. Like you said, we want to fix things and sometimes just being there, holding their hands, 
you know, making sure they have something to eat and drink is more important than fixing it. So I'd agree with that. Yeah. And, and Pam, I, I'd like to go back to one other thing that David said too about, um, you know, the genetic testing and, and, and having that. I think that's an important thing to, for our listeners to learn from, um, you know, talking with David is the importance of genetic testing and the importance of, of making sure um, that you follow through on your genetic testing. Right. So Rhonda had the genetic tests done. At what point did she have it and what made them do it? I, uh, my mother is, um, was, I was going with her when she had her ovarian and breast cancer 20 years ago. She was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer and breast cancer. And the doctor, the oncologist at the time didn't do any test on her. He was just treating her. And I started having some issues and was talking to him. So he generated the test in 2008 on me and um, to determine whether or not I should have a hysterectomy. Because doctors just didn't want, you know, just because I wanted one, you know. So when he did that test and it came back positive in 08, I had that procedure done to eliminate the ovarian because that's scary. It's such a silent killer. Mm-hmm. Now, mother beat that, you know, that's not common for stage four people to survive 20 years, but she did. And um, so that's when I had that test done. It was in 2008 and started my journey of elim- trying to eliminate the possibility of getting cancer, you know, taking those steps that I could take medically to prevent going through cancer if I could. So she was having a, a scan of some sort, either a mammogram or was it? Was, I would have my mammogram and six months later I'd have a guy, uh, MRI just right. to make sure. You every, know. every year. just Because you're so high risk. Yeah, yeah, well, I started in when I was 27 having the mammograms because my sister right. at age 30 was diagnosed with breast cancer. But at that time, that many years ago, it was 32 years ago, genetic testing wasn't talked about, and we knew no one in the family that had ever had cancer. So when Mary, my doctor at that time started ordering the mammograms on me because my sister was so young, and I was just, you know, two years younger than her, and he didn't want me. So I've been doing testing, staying on top of all this prevention since I was 27. Genetic testing is very helpful tool to let you know how to plan your medical future. You know, so many people want to. It can also be a scary tool because what do you do with that information? Do you go with surgery? I mean, right. Now, do you act aggressively or do you act responsibly or do you ignore it and hide from it? So many people have a tendency to get those genetic testings back and go in a shell. They don't want to even, they want to put it in the back of their mind and act like it's not there sometimes. 
So because you were positive, um, you said you have a daughter, Jessica, and you have two other kids. At what point did they get tested? They were not tested. I think it was when I got diagnosed with the breast cancer that, and they were all older. See, they were all still in elementary or um, high school, you know, kind of situations before I was diagnosed and when, or when I was told I was bright positive. So they were too young to, to test. be tested. But after I was diagnosed with the, the breast cancer from that surgery, preventative surgery I did, they were all three tested at that time because they realized the importance. And out of the three, just one, Jessica was positive. Jessica's the only right, one yes. that has the genetics. I mean, that doesn't mean you're not susceptible to cancer. Right. She, she obviously wouldn't want to wish it on anybody, but of the three kids, she's the strongest. And so we were just thankful that she, she has the personality that she does. And she's just been a, she's been just a, a warrior the whole, the whole way through. Yeah, she's been really strong about it. That is awesome. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, again, that is um, a huge tool, as, as we just discussed, a big tool that uh, is available. Um, you know, and if, if our listeners have questions about, you know, genetic testing and genetics and, and so forth, obviously, we, we encourage you guys to reach out to your doctor, reach out to your nurse. Um, you know, you can call the center. Um, we're going to direct you back to your doctor, but at least we can, you know, uh, make sure and impress upon uh, the importance of genetic testing because it, it can be a very powerful tool. And it can save lives. So, absolutely, yes. absolutely. Yes. You know, David, you, you you talked briefly just a second ago. You mentioned um, uh, the big pigs and uh, your your mountain bike racing team. And um, through our relationship, I've gotten to know uh, a lot of Big Pigs. Um, Big Pig has been a, a really huge supporter of 24 Hours in the Canyon. Uh, I know that uh, you guys are involved with, with that group. And um, I, I'd, I'd like our listeners to learn a little bit about um, the Big Pigs. Um, they're, a, they're a fun, rowdy, um, I don't know any other good adjectives, uh, interesting crazy eclectic um passionate uh you know um there's a, a couple of survivors in there as well um but tell us about the big pigs because there's a there's another meaning here besides just racing bikes yeah we're on an awesome team it's big pig racing and our motto if you will is commit to the ride and commitment is the the, the big key with big pigs and we've had uh, uh, we've had members who've had cancer and very close friends who've had cancer now we're we're uh, located in the DFW area primarily and uh, most of our members are still in the DFW area and so sometime back before I joined the team uh, they started the big pig cancer foundation to uh, support local cyclists who were going through cancer treatments and um we, we can't provide the same kind of uh, amenities that that 
24 hours does, but we at least provide some funds to help them in whatever way they see fit to just go through their cancer journey and, and people of like mind, like interest and uh, there to help them. And, and we've, we've done things uh, just, you know, provide a, a oversized, large, comfortable recliner. Yeah. That's all the person wanted or needed to be comfortable. And um, we have uh, for, to facilitate that. We have our own race that we do, and um, it's called the the Ray Porter Memorial Race. Wow. Uh, Ray <clears throat> Ray was a, a legend in the mountain biking uh, community, especially in DFW area, and and he. Fortunately, succumbed to cancer, and so we've dedicated the race to him. And uh, we started off having it in Tyler at the Tyler State Park. Uh, and due to weather and other circumstances, we've we've moved it to uh, McKinney to Irwin Park. And um, weather still plays a part, so we've we've had to cancel the race a couple times. That's how we fundraise as well, is through that race. And it's usually a six-hour race. Uh, but we do, we find out either from our members of somebody that's that's going through cancer treatments or somebody who knows them will refer. And then we have a board of directors that, that they decide all that happens behind the scenes. Right. And uh, it's... It's and like I say, when uh, when Rhonda went through it, you know they they all got together and and made this custom kit for her to wear, and uh, and then they also arranged, you know, just just this this year, uh, arranged for a new kit to be available for for uh, co-pilots is what we're calling us caregivers. Awesome. So I have this awesome new kit that is our colors are black and white so my new kit is black and pink yes and it, it, it's only fitting <laughs> yeah so i get to wear even more pink when i'm out on the, on the trail that's right that's right well we've been we've been kind of apart 24 hours myself um a handful of folks that i can um, drag along with us we've been to Tyler, uh, a couple of years. And, um, I tell you, if, if you are listening to this podcast and, you know, you are a supporter of 24 hours, I think, you know, you need to put, uh, the Ray Porter Memorial six hour on your calendar. Um, of course we know about weather too. And, you know, we've, uh, it's, it's a, it's a crazy phenomenon, but, um, it is a fun time. It's a great event. And I tell you, um, our, our uh, uh, cancer dietitian, our, our oncology uh, folks that help with our, our nutrition folks and dietitian probably will cringe when I say this, but I know of no other event that cooks more bacon <laughs> than the big pigs, which sounds very counterintuitive, right? You, you, the big pigs and bacon. I, David, do you, do you have any idea the, 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 and it's going to sound crazy what he's about to say if, if he can recall the poundage of bacon that's cooked, provided, served, given away at the race. Do you have any idea 
I'm sure I'm going to get this wrong, but 60 pounds comes to mind, and uh, and there's a there's always a part along the trail that's for a bacon hand up. So you drive by and you get bacon shoved in your mouth that's if right. you want to. You can. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna Pam. I'm just gonna throw this out there because I've I've experienced this. Um, it is it is one of those out of body magical spiritual emotional moments when you're suffering up this and I know you don't have it at Tyler anymore so those that have been to Tyler and have done this race know um the hill that's just uh it's it's horrible um you know those of us that can't make it all the way up but you get to the top and you're out of breath and you're struggling and the minute your mouth opens somebody's there shoving bacon in your mouth and telling you get on your bike and go and maybe a slap on the backside um you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things like, oh yeah, I need to keep moving. And, and there's signage about who it's for. And, you know, it's just one of those yeah, things. The, the stairway to bacon. Yeah. And that it's called the stairway to bacon. That's exactly right. <laughs> wow. It is. It's kind of a stairway. It's, it's, it was, you know, uh, a bunch of switchbacks. And so, um, but definitely um, they put on a good race. They put on a good event. They raised their money to help their local cancer survivors, those that are um, ride bikes and um, family members in the Metroplex area. And, and you guys with the big pig, of course, are, are, are fans of mine, um, fans of, you know, we 24 hours, we are fans of you guys. And so we kind of have that like-minded mission. You know, it's all about uh, using a, a friendly bike event to raise funds to help those going through treatment. It's, it's a great uh, team to be a part of, and there's, we are eclectic. There's all, all types of personalities on the team, but we all, we all love biking. We all, uh, part of our recommitment to the team is that we have to agree that we love biking and that we, we love bacon and that we hate cancer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it's pretty easy. Right. I mean, <laughs> It's, who, I mean, that's a pretty, yeah, I love biking, love bacon, hate cancer. I mean, absolutely. You know, Pam, I tell you, um, our listeners have are able to take a lot away from today's episode. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. You know, you, you take away uh, the, you learn about um, the necessity for screenings. You learn about the necessity for uh, genetic testing and how important that was with Rhonda and her family. Um, you know, I think That's more importantly is the caregiver aspect. You know, you've got to have that good support team to get through your trial and, and get to the other side. So, yeah. kudos to David for being a great um, cheerleader for his three ladies in his life. That's right. I do what I can. Well, I think I think you 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 did what you could and and more and and like I said, you are to be commended and um, that was why definitely when Pam and I and and we talked about starting our podcast was like, I, I we want to talk to David and I'm just thrilled that that Rhonda is there with you to add a little bit and nudge you on the side and keep you uh, keep you in line. So you know, yeah, glad to hear I mean, she feels like yeah. yeah. Glad to hear from her. You know, one of the things we do, David, and, and uh, 
being that our, our podcast is sponsored by Pete's Car Smart Kia here locally, and I know this will not be a challenge for you, but we talk about Pete's powerful moments. And um, over the episodes we've had, uh, well, there's been some great ones. And uh, I just wanted to throw that to you and say, share with us, if you will, um, one, I know you probably have many, uh, but, uh, but a Pete's powerful moment, if you would, sir. Well, uh, it's no strange coincidence that it happens to uh, involve the 24-hour race that Rhonda participated in. And, of course, I mentioned already that, that we're all decked out in, in uh, pink tutus and, and on pink bikes. And so, and since we were out there for four hours and 24 minutes, um, uh, we were passed by a lot of people that we, we actually passed a few people that were taking breaks on the side of the trail, but, you know, for eight and a half miles, there were hundreds of people that just gave us love and, and encouragement. And one of my good friends that I don't, unfortunately don't get to see currently, uh, G money stopped when we were maybe a, a mile at a mile left and he just wrapped Rhonda in his, in his arms and just spoke in her ear and encouraging that just it really overwhelmed me and, um, and I don't know what he said to her but I know that he was loving on her and, and encouraging her and uh, it's those moments that that whole eight and a half miles was both heartbreaking for me because I saw how much she was struggling. It wasn't easy for her at all. I mean, she ride for a few hundred yards or more and, and then have to stop and take a break because this is not something she does. And, and so I knew she was struggling and she wasn't willing to quit. And so I was there to make sure that, that she was safe. And, and, and like she said, everybody along the way from Kathleen, Flanagan willing to give up all the water she had uh, if we needed it and and people offering food and just encouragement and and the big thing one of the, the first things coming out of the mass start when you have all the cancer survivors there along the, the start line just obviously we're not, not hard to miss but knowing that they're cancer survivors and they were they were the loudest cheerleaders along the way it was just amazing the whole experience i've done the, the 24 hours you know myself several times that was that was just i've tried to get her to do it again she just she says no i hold the record i'm not going to do it anymore <laughs> she's there to support me but... us on this sideline anytime she would like because we we like cheering on the the riders for sure yeah. yeah, it was it was really awesome. Wow, I I got I got chills, Pam. Listening to uh, the powerful moment, I mean it is it is it is powerful. You just never know what you need until that time comes, and the man on the trail pushed her to go. That's awesome. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you guys, David, Rhonda. Thank you for. Uh, sharing your story with us, um, you know, enlightening our listeners, uh, just a, a feel good story all the way around. I, uh, 
we, we appreciate y'all uh, joining us on the podcast today. It's been a, it's been a great pleasure to share your story, your little nugget of a story. And uh, I think I probably owe Rhonda a, a, a plaque of some sort for the, the record that she has. <laughs> I think now that it's on the podcast, at least we can say it's official. It is. It is. It's podcast official. Uh, it's very podcast official. Um, and so we'll, uh, we'll make sure and, and get that documented, right? We'll get, we'll make sure, make sure it's there. <laughs> Before we leave, do you have, um, an encouragement for our survivors out there? Um, just a word of advice, anything for them? Um, well, if you're asking me, um, I kind of feel my new, mission in life is to is to encourage other caregivers to be there to, so when i hear there's a husband experiencing the same thing that i did i will try to reach out to them and encourage them to you know just be there you don't have to fix anything just make sure that that your loved one knows that they can count on you yeah and it just um, you know, I just feel like it's it's my new ministry, if if you want to say that. And uh, of course, I'm still still active in it, in in it myself. So, uh, as far as caregivers go, just make make yourself available, and and don't get discouraged because there's going to be there's going to be times when you're not when they don't want you around and but they do. Yeah. They don't want you there, but they do. Yeah. And, and when they know that you are, then that's, I think that means a lot. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.